You're listening to the Real Estate Insider Podcast, a bold look at reality, news, analysis, strategies, and opinions, direct from the veteran team at the RAIN Research Institute, with today's host, Director of Research, Melanie Reuter. I am very delighted to introduce our next speaker who, yes, has already graced our stage um, in our awards segment. Don Campbell is a veteran real estate investor, a founder of the Real Estate Investment Network. He is currently the senior analyst with Rain. He spends a lot of time listening to the radio, watching TV, reading newspapers, combing the internet, finding out what's going on in the world and synthesizing that down to what matters to those of us in the room. He is a philanthropist who spends much of his time growing and giving away food in his community. He is an ardent supporter of Habitat for Humanity and, as I mentioned, a veteran real estate investor who has been through the up, down, and the flat cycles of real estate and has lived to talk about it. Please welcome to the stage Mr. Don R. Campbell. Interesting. So, let me be the beacon in this storm. <laughs> this is what a lot of people are feeling like right now. And you know what? This ship here does not sink. It is built to get through these storms. Now, this is not fun. And the captain is working his you-know-what off, or her you-know-what off at this point. But it doesn't sink. And it goes across the Atlantic or across the Pacific every single month, back and forth. Sometimes it's great weather, sometimes it's not. Right now, here in Alberta, it's stormy weather. So we're going to talk about being the beacon. Ladies and gentlemen, grab your what's behind the curtain, and we're going to get going here. Thank you. Yes, as we heard quite clearly, here's what the reality is. Tonight is 100% about discussing the storm. What's going on, what potentially is going on. Like we saw some odds up here that are both fantastic and scary because once we know what the odds are, we can adjust accordingly. Tonight is all about the storm. Saturday and Sunday, is all about what the heck do we do when we're piloting our ship through the storm. That's what's so exciting. But we have to set what the real storm is versus what the uh, perception of the storm is. And it looks like that. And a lot of us, it feels like that. But the one thing I really, really want to drive home is that a proper ship like this, full cargo, makes it through the storm. And so are we. So let's start talking about this. Rain has been the beacon in storms and in good weather for many, many, many decades. Two decades, two two and one-third decades, actually. And believe me, we take this role seriously. There are some of you in here, Dale, 
for instance, who's been here for almost like almost two years now, right, Dale? Oh, I mean, two decades. There's a lot of us in here. It might be just our, we own one property and we're looking for some leadership. What is going on here? Well, we had Todd Hirsch. Todd Hirsch is one of the best communicators about economics who works for a bank that I've ever met. And I would have him on my stage at any point whatsoever. And giving us the odds helps us to be a little bit more strategic. We're going to talk about the storm. We're going to talk about the economic perspective. And then near the end, we're going to talk about some green shoots that we strategic people start to look at. And there's some brown shoots, by the way. They're not really good. They're not growing at all. As a matter of fact, they're dying. And that's the only reason I'm bringing those up is that they do exist. And unfortunately, in 2008, 2009, 2001, during Kyoto, the biggest mistake we saw was people just burying their heads in the sand. They just said, that's it. I'm out. The economy's terrible. I, I, I don't know what to do. So what did they do? Rather than ask questions, rather than take action, they just settled right down and stopped. And that's just not going to happen in this room. That, as a matter of fact, us, our RAIN team, our leadership, is dedicated to making sure that doesn't happen to any of you. And there is, I want you to know throughout the whole weekend, this is really, really important, there is no stupid question. There is no bad question. There is, there is no basic question. Any question that you have, our job this weekend is to be that beacon so we can see and show and give you direction. You may not like the answer, but the answer will be incredibly real. So are we, are we committed to that? Yes or no? Yes. Good. So let's get going. First, we examine the storm. Most of you understand that the gross domestic product growth and therefore job creation growth is critical for a residential housing market. The nice thing about that is, is if you've got growth or you've got um, lack of growth, let's do it politely, um, then you also have the ability to forecast the housing market 18 months out. As you know, we've been in this room every single month, me sometimes on video, sometimes live, and, um, and talking about, guess what, guys? The Calgary housing market hasn't shifted yet. The Cal Why isn't the Calgary housing market not collapsing? We had those questions 12 months ago. And frankly, it's because that person or those people didn't understand that it's not about the average sale price. And you heard Todd talking about average sale prices. Well, average sale prices is not what we buy. Average sale prices is an indicator that makes fantastic headlines. Oh, by the way, bad news, Calgary Herald. You laid off all of your great reporters right when the economics of the, of the province started to go downhill where people were looking for leadership. So that's, uh, that was my shot at that move. That wasn't very bright. But we start to see, here's some reality. The labor market in Alberta, the employment growth. Well, when it has a line below the line, that's not growth. That's not good. But understand that it doesn't affect the housing market until at least 18 months after it happens. So we saw that massive in migration in 2014, 
even more in 2015, despite the economy slowing. And that's what has supported the housing market up to this moment. But that has turned to, the tap has turned off on both of those. So that means that what you're going to start to see in Calgary is the effect of that in the housing market. You're already seeing it in the rental market because that's always, always the first place to get the, to um, feel the effect of a slowdown in GDP or employment growth. And most of you knew that was coming because we talk about it every single month. But what do you do differently knowing this? Well, you cry for about four or five minutes and that's okay. And then you say, I got to do something. I've got this strong goal. I've got kids to put through university. I've got to put food on my table. I got to do something. And when we start to look at these numbers, this storm, it could get a little bit scary. It's okay. You start to see that, that things aren't as beautiful as they were. We have lived in an economic paradise, an economic paradise, just even despite 2008, 2009, for at least the last decade. So we're not used to this, right? As Albertans, we're not, who, oh, this would be interesting. Raise your hand, please, if you have moved to Alberta in the last 10 years, raise your hand, look around. For some of you, this is your very first oil downturn. You must be completely freaking out. For some of us, this is our like fifth. And do we pay close attention to it? Absolutely we do. But do we also know that you can make adjustments to buffer the downside? You see people, well, the average sale price is gonna go down. Well, look at this, you've got Alberta's unemployment rate at 7.4, highest level since 1996. Yes, I owned property in 1996. And it's the first time it's surpassed the national average since 1988. Okay, these are all scary, freaky numbers. But we have been in a different world for so long. Now, we also have, and remember, throughout the weekend, I am going to talk about policy. It doesn't matter to me whether his name is Trudeau or Notley, her name is Notley, or what their party is. Do not come to me and say, listen, you're always so conservative, you're always so this. What I'm gonna talk about throughout the whole weekend is just pure policy and how it affects us. And in this case, when we go and we get all the premiers together and we decide not to talk about jobs and job creation, we decide to talk about something else, although that's an important subject, i.e. breathing and stuff, um, it's still probably not number one priority currently. But unfortunately, what we're seeing is that this is being ignored right now. Okay, so that's interesting. The Alberta EI recipients double at mid-mounting job losses. People see this and freak out. You know what I do? I see this, freak out for four minutes, and then kind of go, hmm, that means my customers, who are my customers? Tenants. My customers, a percentage of them will be struggling in the next few months. Okay, so what do I have to do to keep them in the units? Because I need rent, right? And what do I need to do to help buffer that for them? And we're going to talk about what you do in your property and what you do with your leases, et cetera, all that stuff tomorrow. But I don't see this as anything other than a thing. 
okay, there's a fact. How do I pragmatically respond to it? How do I go and, wow, man, this is, this is, this is starting to get a little bit, a little bit, the water's getting a little deeper than a lot of people expected it to do. Especially since the, uh, the Saudi minister went down to Houston and said, hey, too bad. That, was, that took a lot of, um, uh, what's the word? Gumption. Let's go with that. That's, that's the polite word. That took a lot of gumption to do that. And, um, and so it's interesting. But I see this as just a number. And how do I respond to it? Same thing here. So here is that graph I was talking about at the beginning. But here's the, the other version that we haven't seen in Alberta for a long, long time. Where the gross domestic product, the actual economy is shrinking. So that leads to higher unemployment, which we're already seeing, which means to a population decline, which we're going to see next year, right, with all the out-migration, which means lower demand in the rentals, which means increased vacancies, and then decreased revenue, and then an oversupply of property, and a decrease in prices. This, had, this is only starting to kick in. It's only starting to kick in now, this 18 months. But you can see here... That discussion has been on the front page of the newspapers forever and ever and ever. Oh, they're, always, they're already making stuff up back a year ago. Oh, days on market are up 14 days. So I phoned the reporter. So this days on market thing, what is it? Got no idea. It's just up. <laughs> I am not kidding. I am seriously not kidding. So what they're looking for is ways in which to drive our eyeballs. And believe me, I have multiple, can I say this publicly? Yeah, sure. I have multiple millions of dollars in this province. I'm investing right beside you. Do you think I'm not paying attention? I am all over this because this is also my dream. So when these things happen, um, I know that I have to make adjustments. If you have not read The Secrets of the Canadian Real Estate Cycle, chapters 15 and 16, no, the money goes to Habitat, by the way, 15 and 16, you better start reading it tonight because that tells you about the tactic changes that have to occur. It tells you whether you're buying hold or you're flipping or you're doing rent-to-owns, et cetera, exactly what to do as we entered this type of economy. I didn't write it for fun. By the way, it wasn't fun to write, but it was really really, really there to give you leadership, to give you the beacon. Because let's talk about oil and gas for a second. It plays a kind of minor role in Alberta, yes or no? Yeah, it, more than a minor role. And right now, it's not doing as well as we would like it to, he says politely. But, it's, but there are so many influences. And you heard Todd talking about that. He said, Look at what we're seeing in the oil and gas, the, the volatility of the price of oil. It's not like yesterday or today, I guess. Today, suddenly there was less oil and more demand. That's why it went up $1.35. And then tomorrow, no, Monday, it goes down $1.35. It's that the supply demand's not changing that much. It's the trading mentality right now that's really got it, the volatility. So we don't have a bottom or a top. We're looking for it. And that's why a lot of companies are also using this. Please, I, and I, I know a lot of you in the oil and gas industry, and remember, um, I've been around this industry for a long time too, so I'm going to say this politely. There are a lot of companies who are also using this 
sadly, to clean up some of the um, high contracts, high employee costs, etc. Some of them are over-responding to help clean the whiteboard off. So just understand that there's an overreaction like every pendulum. There's an overreaction that's going on as far as shutting down things and shutting down rigs, etc. So the many influences of oil and gas. Most people just go, supply, demand, brick. Well, it's totally not true because there are so many moving parts. I'm just going to talk about one. Like, if you guys remember 87, is it 87, Kyoto. Remember Kyoto, the headlines? Last one out of Alberta, they did that again. They just repeated the same headline. Last one out of Alberta, turn out the lights kind of thing. And, and did that have any effect? Yes or no? No. Very little effect. And you know, how, you know what RAIN members did during that Kyoto time? We bought strategically. Why? Because we did the research behind, and we, brought, we even brought the chief economist of the province of Alberta to come in and say, if Kyoto is implemented, it's only going to cost the economy X percentage, which means this increase in unemployment. Therefore, the housing demand will still be there if, uh, in 2002 and 2003. But the media was telling you like the world was going to end. As a matter of fact, your neighbors were telling you that. But when you peel the onion and when you start to look underneath and you start to see a bit of a track record, you can always find some nugget that can give you some really clear opportunity. Now, I'm not telling you that tomorrow is a great opportunity to buy. That's not what I'm telling you, because the research is going on. But Sunday morning, uh, Melanie's arranged for us to have an amazing um, oil and gas expert come in. And he's going to talk about what's happening today in the reality versus the... the um, perception. He's going to be talking about, he's going to be like our chief economist of the province was during Kyoto. He's going to come in here and go, okay, enough with the emotions. Here's what's really going on. And here's what we're going to see. And here's what's going to happen. And this guy has been nailing it for many, many, many years. And he's probably going to tell you stuff that you're not even hearing in your oil and gas office. But that, why do we do that? Because we like to be the beacon. We like to show you where there's opportunity, where there's not. And of course, we all remember 2008 when the world was going to end. That was it. It's over. The world's over. I'm going to talk about 2008 in a second. And then today, and then, hey, next time. There will be a next time. We're not all going to die here. So, here's an oil, well, no, here's an oil reality. Here are some of the downturns in the oil industry. So 1986, so the gray is the length of the oil decline, right? So the decline on the way down, how many days it was, and uh, the average oil price for that period. 86, it was 32, 88. It went for a long time, almost a year, not quite a year, and it was 32 average. You see here, you've got, in 1991, went for 90 days. Uh, it, you know, if you went on a holiday, you missed it. And, um, <laughs> but here's it, 1998. Look at the average sale price in 1998 of oil, 21 bucks. It was low for over a year, 484 days. Do you know how much property I bought here? A lot. <laughs> Connie says, really? You really think so? And I said, stop reading the newspaper. And uh, <laughs> so 2001, this was that, around that Kyoto time, 34. That was only 15 years ago, guys. And that was... 
290 days, it was, it was on its way down. 2008, remember the world was ending? Yeah, that didn't work very well. And here we are right now. We're, at, we're above average number of days. And it's not going to end right away. You've got a lot of geopolitical things playing into it. You've got six factors on page 14, which you can read at later date. I'm going to be jumping around in your book. They're not going to be in order tonight because this is something different. So let's take a look. Here's some pixels that make up the word oil. And people say, what about the oil industry? Well, we've got supply and demand, production, exploration, politics, type, transport. I'm going to pick one today. Anybody want to guess which one I'm going to talk about? Let's talk about politics. Okay. Um, we're going to just look at this one and how it's affecting the price that we're getting here in Alberta and why I'm kind of optimistic because it's not some of the other ones that are really out of our control. The politicians are a bit out of control currently, but that's okay. That can change and you can start that change by contacting your MLA and your MP and just keep hammering. I don't care if you voted orange, just don't tell me because um, <laughs> you're costing me millions of bucks. But I don't care who, what, what, what your politics is, you have a representative and you ought to get on them. Say, listen, my friend's getting laid off. My nephew's getting laid off. My cousin's getting laid off. What are you going to do about it? Well, we're still thinking. Um, so... Now, guess what? That politics pixel goes to another level. So now you've got politics of Russia, Iran, Canada, US, OPEC, the budgets in Venezuela. You have countries that are going to start collapsing, literally. This is my, this is my area of expertise, is the international. Um, you, you're starting to see countries in real trouble. You are going to see, starting to see problems in Saudi Arabia because they've been paying off those people forever and ever and ever and giving them free everything with all their oil money. And their reserves are starting to shrink. Russia is an absolute mess right now. You're, they're just very good at hiding it. And so you're starting to see, but speaking of mess, let's talk about Canada for a second. Um, please make sure you read uh, page five. And it's about how Canada's being run a bit by rhetoric, more, at, more than logic. Now, this is an interesting point. We're only 100 days in or 120 days in of the new federal government. So they have to stick to what they said. That's what they're doing. But eventually, eventually, the reality of, wait a second, we're not getting any more money from Alberta, which is the only province that's any money, well, BC and, and Alberta. So we have to do something. Right now, they can't do something. But understand, I know a lot of politicians, and I talk to a lot of them, and they say this first bit, you have to stick to your guns. And then you can start blaming something that happens in the world. And then you can start changing policy. So don't expect something in the next three to four months, but expect some reality to start hitting home in the next six months. So, okay, so we got politicians who are going to still stick with the rhetoric. That's good. We've always seen it. It's over and over and over again. It's not going to last all four years. I mean, the government may, but the... Uh, but the rhetoric can't because it, it'll, just, it, it'll just really cause a problem for finance. Now, if I'm a millennial, I'm really peeled right now because millennials voted them in and the millennials are the ones that are getting screwed, right? Because of the debt that's going on. 
And, oh, by the way, a lot of millennials work in country, companies that get stock options. And they're, start talk, they're thinking about taxing stock options. And that's mostly millennials. And so if I was a millennial right now, I'd be out protesting. Just saying. And then you've got this. Politics, rhetoric, standing, having to make a stand. Quebec files an injunction, right, against TransCanada. And, uh, and what they're trying... Anybody done business in Quebec before? Anybody? Yeah. So when things fall off the back of the truck a lot at construction sites, etc., on purpose, yeah. So that's all I'm saying. But in there, if you think the energy situation is about the environment that could be solved through another review, because that's, that's what we need is another review, um, think again. This has nothing to do with the environment. This is everything to do with how much money can we get out of this deal to approve it. Once again, politics. Once again, maybe 60, 60, or six more months of you know, pushing back and forth and doing all that kind of stuff and going behind the scenes and talking to the feds saying, hey, listen, if you give me some money on this thing, and I got this thing, because Bombardier hasn't sold any planes, right? Have they ever flown one? I don't know, I'm kidding. But... Um, <laughs> but getting billions and billions and billions of dollars. And we have all these people that are out of, business, out of uh, 60 some odd thousand people who are laid off and they promised us 125 million of our own money back. Awesome. So understand that there will come, become a reckoning in here uh, that it has to happen. But at the beginning right now in the next six months, don't expect political change. Because you see this, we're stopping it because we're protecting the environment. Anybody can hide behind the environment, right? Everybody does. It's like, oh, the environment, the environment. What does that mean? I don't know. What's the environment? You ask people, these, these people. So tell me, about what's, the, what's the environment? Oh, wait, wait a minute. Um, that Chinook scared the crap out of me. <laughs> that deserves an Academy Award. <laughs> Idiot. Anyway. I got a lot more stuff about Leo coming up. <laughs> hey, anybody know that Leo is, and I'm not making this up, is two-thirds of the way shooting an environmental movie? Does anybody even remotely think that this is designed, this whole process is designed for him to sell tickets when he releases this movie? Be anybody? Everybody should think that. And that's, it's, all, it's all about money and movies. That's it. He's not trying to save the world. Look at his lifestyle. The, um, so don't buy into the KRAP that people, people are chucking around out there. Because these guys go, well, we're going to have a, we need an environmental review. Oh, wait. At the next day, the next day, they passed a, a, a bill to push a, a giant $1.8 billion cement plant through and approve it. And they, they passed through a law to avoid hearings on environmental impact. Same guys. So it's not about the environment. So I, I'm an organic farmer. It's really important. The environment's really, really important to me. But I don't buy hypocrisy and baloney. Right? So let's, this is the politics that's going on. How much of our money? Do I, don't read that unless you want to throw up. The... Um, <laughs> And then you've got, who I am a fan of, Christy Clark. You've got this going on. The BC government says no to the gateway pipeline. 
And at the same time, LNG, drilling for LNG. I don't know. It's, uh, so the hypocrisy of, the, of all the politics that are going on really has nothing to do with the environment. It has everything to do with staying in power. And how do you stay in power? You get behind a subject that everybody drinks the Kool-Aid on. I believe the, the environment is changing. Don't come to me and say, oh, listen to you, Mr. Non-Greeny. Of course it's changing. It always has changed for the last 2 million years or 2,000, depending on what you believe. The, um, <laughs> sorry, the BC Richard, that was a bridge too far, that one. The, um, <laughs> oil sands punished when we bring tankers, tankers who we're going to say no to on the West Coast. We bring in dozens of them every week from, I don't know, let's see, Libya, um, let's see, Saudi Arabia, um, there was one other one, starts with an I, and uh, these places, oh, and Nigeria, these places are all awesome, right? They treat their people well, they, they, I'm sure their environmental record's awesome. <laughs> like, it's such baloney that people are hiding behind this. So, why is that good to us as investors? Because we know eventually that has to awaken to the economy of saying, oh my God, we now have half the country not working. Where are we going to get the money from to give to Quebec? I mean, where are we going to get the money from? <laughs> so stuff works its way through the political process. Um, I don't, don't even read this, we're going to throw up. The, um, that's how much oil increase imports thousands for 200,000 barrels a day imported into New Brunswick. Um, I can see how that's way better than just putting a pipe from Alberta and buying it at Alberta prices. Anyway, crazy. So we got capital on hold because of this. Why is capital on hold politics wise? Because we're not getting the clarity that we need from the provincial government, whatever they're, color is. I can't remember if they're orange or blue or green. Um, but whatever, when you have a policy such as this and rhetoric, and because you said this is what you're going to do when you got elected, you can't bring in things and go, oh, wait a second. <laughs> you know what? We should start instigating and, and incentivizing the oil and gas industry because we got elected saying that they were the bad guys. But that will change because suddenly there's no money going into the coffers and suddenly we're, they're looking around going, uh-oh, how are we going to support all of our other stuff? So that has to go, and that has to lobby behind the scenes. None of this stuff's going to happen in the public. Never does. I'm blessed to hear some of the stories that are going on in the background, and um, it makes my stomach churn, the negotiations that have to be done behind in closed doors. And, but it's, it's, it's shocking. But it's nothing's going to change. Like, I bet you're not going to get a whole lot more clarity out of the provincial government or the federal government for the next six months because they're trying to figure out how they're going to do it. So don't worry about it. That's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is when you start to see um, people buy that story. And then you get a real leader who stands up and says, hmm. Brad Wall stands up and goes, no, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be representing all Saskatchewanians. Right, Russ? You used to be one of those. Saskatchewanites? Uh, is that what we are now? Okay. Green watermelon head people, right? Okay, yeah. And then that changes the conversation. Trump, I, I'm willing to put money on at the beginning of the thing, Trump didn't want to get elected. 
He just wanted to change the conversation. And this momentum's going, he's going, oh, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. <laughs> I could, he could literally say anything. He talked about his yesterday and his approval waiting went up. So understand that you can't underestimate the intelligence of the general populace. So that's here too. So that's why I'm talking about politics again, that they, they will keep pushing these buttons. And that's why social media is getting so horrible because you got people are just so drunk the Kool-Aid on right side or left side, doesn't matter. Nobody's starting the discussion around how we solve the problems. And you've got government policies not on your side currently, not here in Alberta, not, 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 in, um, not in Saskatchewan. They're trying, but they've got the federals, feddies uh, stopping everything. And you've got this. Once again, 150 billion. Patrick and I are of the age. Look at us, Patrick. We're now the same age. Yeah, I just gave you a bunch of years. The, um, Patrick and I are of the age when we saw these deficits last time. And we paid and paid and paid and paid for decades to get them under control. And we got them under control. Everything's starting to look okay. We had to increase it during the downturn. Yeah, absolutely we did. Not by this much. And it's the same thing. We're baby boomers. Guess what, millennials? You're now the new baby boomers. We don't care if they do this. We ain't paying for it. You're paying for it. And you're going to have to be working harder and longer like we did and finding ways to make money to help pay this because your taxes are going to go up. They have to go up at the end of the day. So MP, dear MP, I voted for you. What the are you doing? Like seriously, get upset about something. This would be one of those. Not that your cell phone service is crap. And I know we talked about inflation. Well, if the dollar's low... Guess what? Inflation's going to go up. But what balances off the equation that allows them to say, listen, we got inflation under control? What is it? In that big formula, that basket of goods. What is it? Oil. Energy. If energy's low, it keeps the whole basket of goods low. Therefore, they don't have to raise the interest rate. Therefore, they can say, we've got this inflation under control. This is not rocket science. Even before the election, we kind of said all these things were going to happen. And unfortunately, they're happening. So low oil prices keeps a cap on inflation. Therefore, they say, they can say and state politically that this is, this, we got this all, we got this, guys. It's all under control. But when your food goes up 24%, your vegetables go up 24%, that's directly out of your pocket. You got to try to feed your family. And at the same time on EI, you can see how the politically things are going to have to change, but not right away. They're start, going to start looking and going, listen, this guy's been laid off. Hi, Aaron. This, this gal's been laid off. You've been laid off again? Uh, don't think so. Good. Phew. You haven't got that call yet. Okay, good. We should talk later. The, um, the, you start to see how you have increasing EI. You have a low dollar, but you have fear in Ontario. So remember, McGinty came out and said, listen, that stupid Alberta, literally said, the stupid Alberta is killing us by making us a petrodollar. Okay. There you go, son. There's 62 cents. Have at it. 
nothing's happening. Why? Because they can't afford to invest in new, new uh, infrastructure because it has to come from Europe or, or the U.S. to make them more productive. So don't buy either side's arguments politically. Start looking and peeling the onion. And you start to see that there are some things out there that we can start looking at. Number one is Saturday, be in this room. Find a way. I don't know if there's any seats left. Probably not. <laughs> no. Well, try and talk your way into being in this room on Saturday and Sunday. Visa probably helps. <laughs> the, um, but, but frankly, um, you've got to change your tactics right now. Because you got the politicians are against you a little bit. Even if you voted for them, they don't give a rats. They're in now. You've got oil and gas. And that was just one pixel of the oil and gas equation. Remember? So we're talking about supply and demand. We've got transport. We've got pipelines. We've got all that crap going on. You have to change your tactics starting today. And that's what we're going to be doing all weekend long. Because within those beacons, within those moments, you can take action. There are people in this room, I'm not going to look at them, that I know for a fact were in cities and towns that had 30% vacancy. 30% vacancy two downturns ago. And killed it. Made nothing but money. They had zero vacancy. They learned how to be proactive. They didn't learn to allow 35% vacancy or 30% vacancy become an excuse. Other people had 60% vacancy. They had zero. I'm just, that's really, really basic math, guys. I understand that's not the exact math. The, um, but that's what the mentality has to be of a strategic real estate investor. There are opportunities to read fifth, chapter 15 and 16. I'm not kidding. I read it again this week. I went, this is good. <laughs> In that voice. Out loud. So understand that you just change your tactics. This is not a great time to be in Alberta. Okay? We understand that. But as we heard, what is the chances of a, a, a semblance of a recovery in the odds? What was that that Todd gave us? It was green. It was an arrow. And it was one to one. Right? It's just not going to happen tomorrow. So you can't sit in the basement. And as a matter of fact, some of us have dreams that have to come true more quickly than we, we expected them to. So we have to find ways in which to change our tactics to take advantage of these opportunities. That's like, oh, <laughs> I guess it's sold out. The, um, first off, stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Yes, it's bad. Got it. Now let's deal with it. Let's neutralize that it's bad, and let's start finding ways to deal with the fact that it's bad. Simple, right? No but because you have to start thinking a little bit different. It's a little bit out of your comfort zone, especially if you work in the industry and you go into the office every day. It's like, it's like a cloud hanging in your office. Oh my God, is this the day? Is this the day? Is this the day? Well, you can sit and wait for, is this the day? Or you can start doing some stuff over here, preparing for if that day ever shows up, rather than just keep going on and driving the same day away to work and not thinking the same. So you've got to burst your bubble. This was an interesting, interesting, um, you know, I know she's a TV person, but Arlene Dickinson, who I like, calls Alberta downturn the perfect time to invest. That does not mean, I want to be very clear, 
that it's now's the time to buy everything you possibly can and all the energy stocks. That's not what she's saying. That's what some people on the comments, don't read comments on news articles anymore. That's where the people are, whack jobs. Anyway, the, uh, <laughs> you, but she is correct in the process. I know people here that will drive across town to get a sale on something. But as soon as you get a sale on a piece of real estate, oh, it's on its way down, it's going to collapse, it's over. It's interesting how our mentality is around investments. People will buy stocks on a dip, but not real estate on a dip. Why is that? Don't know. Because we have so much emotion around housing. So, I love this. It's 100%, she says, 100% worth the risk. Low oil prices, unfavorable exchange rate, record high unemployment levels, and understandably sparked fear and nervousness to many investors. No kidding. Hence, 700 people. The, but the government's job is to take the hurdles out of the way of business. Once again, I go back to the politics. Right now, they're not taking the hurdles out of the way. As a matter of fact, they're probably sticking a couple more up for job creation. Will they stay up or will they have to knock a bunch more down to keep those two up? Probably. But that's six months from now. So what do we do between now and six months? Well, there are fantastic opportunities. There are things that are actually happening, as you know, out there. There are plants that are opening. There are also plants that are shutting. You've got why this, this one here is an interesting read. I don't believe it'll be 85 bucks at the end of the year. And I hope I'm wrong. I would pray that I'm wrong. But if it's 50-55, like, like like, I was standing in the, we, Connor and I were standing in the, in the um, Connor's my nephew, by the way. If you have a job in the oil and gas industry, he's the man for you. <laughs> the, um, or any industry right now. The, uh, the, it's sad. We're, we shouldn't laugh. The poor guy just got laid off two days ago. The, um, not funny. The, um, was I? I was in the, Marriott, in the Marriott lobby, and we're standing there looking at, the, at BNN, scrolling, going, where's the oil price? Where's the oil price? Where's the oil price? It's up a buck 50, and I actually went, whoo-hoo, and it was like 36 bucks. And I'm going, wow, I'm cheering $36 oil now. How low can we go? But it's true. We have to understand that oil is one thing, is one component in what we're doing. There's a bit of an oversupply in condos that have started to be building in Calgary. You saw that. Inevitably, that happens whenever there's a slowdown. Anybody here, please raise your hand if you've ever played musical chairs. Keep, keep your hand up if you've ever won it. Be honest. Look at how many hands. What's the wrong with you people? Just stand by a chair. No, the, uh, but here's the deal. Is... The rule, thank you, the rules are those rules, is that when the market's awesome, everybody's giggling and dancing, and hopefully not like this, and um, <laughs> around a circle of chairs, and everybody's, oh, this is so much fun. Music stops, everybody's an enemy. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's like, goosh, mom. Like, really? But that's what happens. When it's good, it's good. When it's the music stops, pauses, like it's done in Ontario, like it's done in BC, and now it's doing it in Alberta. Whenever it pauses, all you have to be is strategically buy a chair. So you know that the music's going to stop because them's the rules. 
But yet I see people, they, they, they go far out. It's like, oh, this is so much fun. I said, I'm, I'm thinking, it's like Monopoly. Monopoly is really easy to win, by the way. Um, and I won't tell you how, because I might play you later. But the, uh, the, just be by a chair. Be strategic in everything that you do, even in that game. Right now, the music's on pause. Don't get your elbows out. Just strategically sit down on a chair and start planning out your next move so that when the music starts again, you can get up and you go, I ain't going to be far away from a chair ever again. I have now learned. Some of us have been through three or four downturns. That first downturn told me, never be away from a chair. Never be away from a chair. Look at this. Speaking of a great chair to be sitting on, and why Melanie did such a great job bringing up Lethbridge in her research, is that it doesn't get the big swings. Might underperform during the booms. Who cares? It's a chair that's sitting there waiting for you to sit on that will never move. Isn't this interesting? So it's starting to feel the positive, the things that are going on in the, in the region. Edmonton, as we know, uh, bucks the downward trend as Alberta's jobless rates hit the 20-year high. We talked about that earlier. But Edmonton, because of all the construction, hasn't felt the pain that Calgary has. Dot, dot, dot. What's the word? Yet, right? Because Cal Edmonton inevitably follows Calgary's trend. Not in hockey. They need five or six more first draft choices to do anything. How do you blow that? Anyway, the, um, so, so right now it's okay, but you're starting to see vacancies creep in, just like we did 18 months ago in Calgary. You saw the vacancies starting to show up, people going, oh, whatever, the music's still playing. The LRT, we're going to talk a lot about that on Sunday. Calgary, well, we know what's happening in Calgary, right? We've got real estate. This, read this tonight. There's one for you. The CBC did an interview of this guy I know. And... Um, and it talks about why Calgary is what it, where it is and what it's doing. What's the future? The future is vacancies are going to go up. Some idiots are going to start being ridiculously aggressive with lowering rents rather than getting really good at attracting customers. And then you're all going to jump on that band. Not all of you. The strategic ones won't. You, a bunch of people are going to jump on that bandwagon and you're going to see average rents drop down. That doesn't mean that your rent has to go down. There are strategies we're going to talk about tomorrow, Saturday, that are going to work with that. And how, you, how do you play in this downturn? Even though boardwalks decided, I don't know, let's go with $99 security deposits. You know why boardwalk can do that? Because it ain't their money. It's public money. So what their stock rate is run by or run on is revenue, right? So... Security deposits don't even count, doesn't even matter in their equation. It matters in your equation. Find a different way to fight that battle. Fight a strategic way. So uh, we'll talk about that later. And then we have Brad Wall. Thank you, Brad. I think we should all give Brad Wall right now a round of applause for standing up for us. He's taking some chances, but he might be politically posturing as well, but well, right, because that's their job. But at the same time, standing up for my province in the interest of families that are working in the energy sector in Saskatchewan, that's my job, and I'll always do it. I wouldn't mind hearing that out of ours. Here. Wouldn't mind. Don't expect. Wouldn't mind. They've, they just created 500 more uh, 
um, construction jobs and 90 permanent jobs in, during the time where nobody's investing in oil and gas. Interesting. So policy actually does work. Mining, the number one place in Canada, number two in the world for mining attractiveness. You set the policy as a politician and let the economy do its thing. You don't set the policy saying, listen, we're the ugly sister. The, nobody wants to talk about us. Baloney, the ugly sister who's been paying you. So you've got to understand there's rhetoric going on. Your job right now, right now, with your whole program, your rentals is to stand out from the crowd. Chasing a lower price or chasing a lower security deposit because you saw that somebody else did it is not standing out. It's being the crowd. We're going to talk about some of the very, very cool strategies. Valden Palm, you've been a RAIN member for 106 years, is it now? 107. You moved from BC to here. And um, I, I remember it well. You've been a, a good pal all the way along. But the strategies this guy's come up with and helped create over those decades is quite amazing. Do you drink beer? Okay, he drinks beer, so if anybody wants some of those strategies, just go and take him out for a beer on the weekend. It might help. You owe me one. <laughs> no, but frankly, the stuff that he comes up with, he's been through three of these downturns. Stand out. Don't get caught in. Don't get caught in. Leaders pragmatic. Think, think how does this affect me? What is this thing? And how does it affect me? And you become strong. And you, you, you talk to the Todds of the world. We talk to the oil and gas guys of the world. On Sunday morning, we have the oil and gas guy who's a contrarian, just so you think a little bit differently. Is today tough? Yes, it is. Can you be a leader? Absolutely, you can. Even if you don't own any property yet, you can be a leader by getting back to the facts. So Saturday and Sunday, that's the beacons. Becoming a resilient investor, you're going to have a plan on, for attracting and keeping tenants, a property plan. This is Saturday, I think. And your financing plan. By the way, financing's different again. Surprise! I had a, a very good friend who got a $8 million fully approved mortgage pulled yesterday. Just before it was going to fund. How do you think he feels? Wow! But there's strategies around that, and we talk through them. So, you see, you're going to then, this is an interesting subject for Sunday, buying strategies. Guess who's going to be on the buying in the next 12, 24 months? Me. Because why? Because it works. Even in a down market, you can make money. The unfortunate thing, we're so used to the market going up 12% every year, making us look like geniuses. Every mistake we've ever made in our lives is covered by the market, that now we're in a market that's kind of like Ontario's been and Manitoba's been forever and ever and ever. And we got to go, well, this sucks, man. We have to work and advertise and get tenants and take care of them? That's just weird. So we're talking about that survivor's panel. I can't wait for that. I bet you there's not a lot of not gray hair on that panel. Oil and gas, these are the things. Your next five weeks, what do you got to do? There are things you got to do right away. And then what are you going to do for the next five years? Todd Hirsch, um, it's, <laughs> Todd Hirsch kicked us off with 
a sense of reality with a little bit of Vegas thrown in. We talked about oil and gas. There is no clear picture on oil and gas because look at the one pixel we talked about of the eight pixels that drive oil and gas and how many wild cards are within that. So if you're looking to say, Don, what's the oil price going to be? I'm going to go different than today. That's it. I've chosen the right path way back in Kyoto not to guess what the oil price is. And this is what it feels like. But I really want you to understand that a proper portfolio and a proper strategy, just like this ship, it still gets to its port. Sometimes it's not as smooth as it should be. Sometimes it's not as smooth. I and this amazing, amazing rain team love being the beacons during these stormy times. We're, we're pretty good during the, the calm and booming times because we look like geniuses, right? It went up 20%. Boy, it's because of rain. But during these times, this is where we really get to prove ourselves. So that's what we're here for. And ladies and gentlemen, this is where we're heading again, but not right now. But when this happens, you'll be able to see it 18 months in advance before the media says, oh, look at the average sale price is up. Because the average sale price, we don't give a crap about. We give a crap about this stuff. And if you focus here, if you focus here and the down version, then you can start forecasting and make adjustments. Change your chat tactics to change the, when the cycle changes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a heck of a weekend. I, the, tonight's been amazing. I hope you've really enjoyed yourself. And then the weekend, and ladies and gentlemen, that's the real news tonight. Thank you, everybody. Don Campbell. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Thanks for listening and engaging with the Real Estate Insider podcast. A bold look at reality. Share the reality.